Welcome back to the Rural Roundup, hosted by me, Kerry Hammond. This show is produced in association with the Scottish Government. On today's episode, Tiffany, George and Robert are joined by Cathy Gostick, Health and Safety Inspector for HSE, to discuss farm health and safety in depth. This conversation is extremely important and has the potential to save lives. Our discussions do include reference to accidents, injuries and fatalities, some of which involve children. Though there is no gore and this is discussed purely in a factual manner, please consider if you are able to listen to this episode safely. We're delighted to um, have Cathy here today to talk about health and safety. How are you doing, Cathy? I'm fine, thanks, Tiffany. Am I right in thinking that there was a recent publication looking at work-related fatal injuries in Britain? Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, HSE puts them out every year, um, and they they usually put, they were put out in July for um, alongside Farm Safety Week just to make sure that there's a bit of a focus on safety and get people to think about it. So they are a yearly thing um, for agriculture. They are quite um, they are they're not great reading, um, and that's something I think uh, is, is something we're going to talk about today. So what is it looking like for farmers? It's a bit of a sad story, um, unfortunately, um, due to various factors. Um, the the statistics for farmers, they're, they're for agriculture as a whole, so they do include things like forestry and fish farming, but the, the majority of numbers that are included in here are farmers, is the highest rate of deaths and injuries of all sectors in Britain. Um, so that's not a great story, and it's something that we are trying to raise. Um, and if you're comparing it to things for people to understand, it's four times that of construction sites. And I know a lot of people know that construction is quite a dangerous industry to go to. Um, and 20 times more dangerous um, working in, on a farm than it is for the average industry that people will go to in Britain. And it's even higher for the self-employed, which is something that's also relevant to farming. What does that mean? I mean, it means that um, over the last five years, sadly, 161 people have died on British farms, with a five-year average of 26 people that have died. And these also include children and members of the public, 25 members of the public over that five-year period and um, seven of those were children. So a quarter of the deaths are actually members of the public, which is um, also something that needs to be kept an eye on. Those statistics are just awful. It's heartbreaking to hear how many mm. how many casualties there have been on farms. And you're right, you always think construction's got, got more risks involved, but it just goes to show how dangerous farms actually are. Yeah, I mean, you're doing everything on a farm, aren't you? You're dealing with machinery, people coming into your workplace, dealing with um, chemicals, all sorts of stuff. And then on top of that, as you are just talking about, you've got the weather to deal with as well, all sorts of stuff you're having to deal with. So it, it, it is a sad story. And I think something that I'd like to make a point about today is that although the numbers have fallen, because people often concentrate on numbers when we're talking about statistics, the rate that I've been mentioning here hasn't fallen since the early 80s. So this really is something that, that we need to concentrate on and make people realise that it's not getting better and it's likely to happen to you. So what are the main causes of accidents and injuries and fatalities on farms? Well, there's some generic ones, which I was just going to move on to. Um, there is an increasing age profile, which would naturally happen in the industry anyway, because it's, an, you know, the workforce is actually ageing. Um, but it, it's, that's quite an obvious answer. That there's a third of all the accidents are over 65. Um, obviously, I sadly see these incidents coming across my screen working for HSE. 
And, you know, that's something we're trying to, to look into, and the industry does as well. It's probably to do with slow reactions and resilience. When something happens, it can have a, a worse outcome. But that's something not to be forgotten. Um, so when we're coming to the actual cause, which is probably quite useful for today, um, it's, it's, it's a relatively easy picture to digest and get your head around because a third of them are caused by moving vehicles and a third are caused by cattle. That's two thirds of all accidents on farms. And although we look at things like overhead power lines, which are significant and are awful accidents when they happen, if you're going to concentrate on safety, if you have a chance to, you want to look at the main causes, don't you? So it's vehicles and cattle. I think particularly at this time of year, we've just been mentioning about harvest and vehicles. And you mentioned before about children um getting involved as well i think it's definitely worth stopping and taking time to think about what you're doing in your vehicles and how you can make the make it safer yeah i mean i always remember i've been an inspector for years i'm now in a policy team so i'm looking at these sort of statistics now and trying to work with industry and engaging with people like yourselves and thank you for inviting me but when i was an inspector i wouldn't turn up too often at this time of year listening to your earlier conversation as you introduced today's podcast because i'd get a large spanner in my face which kind of you know talks volumes really doesn't it that you're trying to deal with oh i need to do this now the weather's right and the grass is long or the crops ready but you're also dealing with vehicles that you know hopefully you've done some preventative maintenance and, and that sort of spanner effect is not as likely to come about but it does happen and you're under pressure um so yeah bearing in mind that a third of all the accidents and they're usually serious often fatal are to do with vehicles it is about things like preventative maintenance to try and avoid that situation occurring where you have an awful lot of pressure on you the vehicle accidents are overturns they're falls during maintenance are things that are not propped um, and they're things to do with safe stop Kathy, how, how big an issue do you think complacency is so quite often we hear of you know when you hear the terrible stories coming in quite often you hear about you know it's something that that person did every day or it's a job that you've done for 40 years, or do you think complacency, particularly when it comes to livestock and maybe poorly maintained machines, is that, would that be quite well up the list? I think it is. I think that's a label that can irritate people. Um, We tried to do some insight work into this um, as to why people took the decisions they took, because I think if we're talking about complacency, it's like we probably know that it's dangerous, but we still do it, isn't it? Is that the sort of thing that you were talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we tried to look into that and, 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 you know, when we were doing this research, we were um, putting people into certain groups as targets for where we would try and deal with that in terms of guidance, etc. And there are definitely a large group of risk takers in the farming community and that is linked to complacency and perhaps fatalism almost, which is an awful word, but it appears to be because I've actually had people say that to me on site. Oh, well, you know, I just have to deal with it. But we don't necessarily agree with that. There are some simple things that you can do are going to reduce this very very high level of risk so that you don't need to have that attitude it's it's definitely don't need to have that attitude at all and but it is true people are running around fast i remember growing up we had an absolute ban at harvest time as children we weren't allowed to go into the steading and it was just a complete we weren't allowed there because people would be in a hurry reversing or something and wouldn't be looking out for a child walking around and um, so it, I can see why why we were told that was at the time we were like, well, why can't we go in the steading? But actually, it was a good thing to happen. You mentioned about safe stop. What is that, Cathy? Okay, um, safe stop is pretty simple. But, you know, this is what I was saying. Some of these messages are simple. Um, it really is about handbrake, neutral, switch off and remove the key. It's nothing more complicated than that. 
it, it's applicable. Um, we've, I'll give you some very um, sad examples. In fact, this might be a good time to mention, you know, some of the examples we were talking about where I go to investigate an accident, which is actually to do with cattle. And I meet um, a couple of um, quite elderly farm managers, you know, that they own the farm, but they're well into their 80s. And I say, is there anybody else that could help us with this investigation today? And they say, sorry, our son was killed when he was crushed with a tractor um, against a gate and he hadn't put the handbrake on or and or it wasn't maintained. So that's just an awful situation, isn't it? That's a sort of tragic outcome that can occur if some of the simple things that we need to do, whether it's maintenance or whether he needs to put the handbrake on when he was just popping out to open that gate. That's the outcome that can devastate families and leave people in a very difficult situation. And obviously that person's life is ended. So, yeah, it is as simple as handbrake, neutral, switch off and remove the key. And that's also relevant when you're doing maintenance stuff as well, which is another issue to do with vehicles that causes a lot of these serious accidents. I think, um, Kathy, it's fair to say that um, we've obviously, you know, there's the statistics there, but I think everyone on this podcast, you know, in the farming community and that, we all know a somebody who's had an accident. We all know, uh, uh, the whole all through the farming community, they know somebody whether it's a neighbour, and it's not just the fatalities. They know mm. bad accidents, whether it's an amputation um, or, you know, life-changing injuries. They happen, you know, if, you know, all the time. Um, it, it's quite scary, really. Uh, I know when, when I've worked on farms and that, and there's things and, you know, nothing seriously ha- has happened, but there's been things you've got in a clatter. Um, I've seen, you know, in instances I've seen, you know, people get broken legs from being kicked by cattle and things like that. It's... Uh, it's quite scary out there how it happens, and I think it's Robert touched on as complacency maybe kicks in a wee bit, um, but you know it's all around us, and, and you know getting this message across, um, it, it's becoming more and more important. With the people are putting into this loan working scenarios as well. Yes, I'm really glad you mentioned loan working, and we haven't really touched on cattle yet, but I think sometimes because of the of the the speed and strength of cattle and their unpredictable behavior often the simple answer there is is stop and think you know maybe get yourself out of that situation and maybe get someone else to come and help and just give yourself the time not continue with what's potentially going wrong because it's not going to have a good outcome so it was something i was going to really mention um for cattle is, is try and avoid lane working and give yourself some time to consider what you're doing i think it is making people stop and consider what they're doing because it's easy to do it i've done it every day for the last year it'll be fine but mm. i have noticed more and more people are looking at what kind of cattle crush um they're going to have what kind of the race system is so they're trying to avoid going in with the cattle now which i see as a big improvement because before you would see um somebody in in with cattle which were getting wound up and you knew it was an accident waiting to happen Yes, I mean, crush. I mean, since I've been around, the, yeah, I've been doing this uh, on farm sites and seen the sort of situations we're dealing with for nearly 30 years. And there's been a huge improvement in crush design and people's approach to it. So that's good. I mean, there are things out there you can go and get. And generally, most people choose crushes that have really good opening sides so you haven't got bars, etc., to get kicked and, and caught against. But it is all about the, the race to it and things like very simple things like posts and movable gates within your cattle pen that give you those options to deal with the situation that you're dealing with and not just carrying your head thinking you can just do it yourself um and it's not just you it's also people like vets and other visiting people you need to consider it's it's also you know from a practical end of things from a business end of things if something's easy it gets done and those 
new systems, newer handling systems, better crushes. We can put more cattle through them. We can. It's a lot more enjoyable to do than it was when we were jagging things behind gates and doing all things, all sorts of you know, crazy things. When you look back, but we still have a number of clients and people who we work with who are pretty vocal and really object to the fact that um, you know a vet won't come to do a specific procedure in the facilities they've got. And I think the more pressure we put on people though that type of person who won't invest or won't and it's not a massive investment either protecting the vets protecting anybody who's working with stock has to be the main priority we've got and and if if something can't be done safely guaranteed safely it shouldn't really be happening at all so if you've not got facilities to, to handle cattle why have we got cattle yeah, and I think it's only fair for those people to raise something that's been expected for a long time because it is to do with the outcome. You know, as we've just said, a third of all these really serious and fatal accidents are to do with cattle. Nobody should be put at that risk. And there are options out there, many of which are not particularly complicated to be able to reduce that risk. So I think that's the message, isn't it? Yeah, and and certainly when you do it less, because your system's not very good, you do it less, so your cattle are more stressed, so they're more flighty, and it's a, you know there's probably more risk of danger it's, it's an absolute no-brainer i think a good handling system and as i say it doesn't need to be a, a massive expense a good handling system is absolutely fundamental to any livestock system particularly a beef system it is but you did also touch there on training and experience and assessment of temperament and i, I often find that you've either got all of these things in place because people are really thinking about it or nothing and mm -hmm. that's when you have to say something if you're somebody coming into that situation be it an inspector or a visitor that's coming to to, to do some work with the cattle um, because it just hasn't been thought of and they've mostly got away with it but at the point they don't they're likely to have some horrendous accidents and sadly many of them are fatal these animals are big and heavy we had a, a good conversation at a, a group meeting a few months ago that was about you know a lot of us are mental health first aid trained and we're talking about mental health a lot more and, and a lot more comfortable in that environment but then we all walk past broken power shafts and we all walk past poor handling systems and we don't challenge people you know we're, we're more comfortable asking people if their mental health is okay than we are on calling them out for having some of the real basic fun day health and safety stuff not in place you know and i think as professionals on farms we do have a, a role to play in actually changing the culture here and, and making a bit more noise and putting a bit more pressure on people to make change yeah i i think that um Hey, well, I, I remember vividly, it must be 20, 30 years ago, uh, your advertising campaign, The Killing Fields. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, that really, it stood out. And, um, but and complacency does kick in because people just automatically think, it's not going to happen to me. You know, it was all right last time, so it's not going to happen to me. Uh, and I think that's, that is one of the big problems. It's why I started with the rate. You know, the numbers are going down, but the rate's not. And the rate is the likelihood it'll happen to you. The rate's terrible. It's the same as it was when the killing fields were put out. I think that was actually the 80s. I was at school and I remember it. And I think we should do more like that. And there are some people out there who, for instance, have lost an arm with a power takeoff shaft and they do come on and, and do stuff. And it's very, it, it hits home, doesn't it, to make people stop and think about what can happen to them. And going back to what was said a minute ago um, about some of the things you walk by, we haven't mentioned brakes you know, it's so acceptable for people to just think, oh, well, the footprint's not working, so I'll use the handbrake or vice versa. No, it's not acceptable. That's going to cause an accident at some point down the line. 
you know, you, you're using your vehicles in a harsh environment, often on difficult slopes, etc., pulling things. The brakes must work, and you can't be complacent in leaving them like that. They are hugely, um, that's a huge factor in many of the investigations that we do. So you mustn't be complacent with that. And wearing helmets on quad bikes. We haven't even got onto quad bikes. I forgot to mention that they, um, of one vehicle, cause I think um, a third of all the uh, vehicle accidents and 10% of all accidents on farms. That's a ridiculous figure for one small vehicle. And there's a lot of complacency there with things like helmets and um, training and selection of them. I feel Some like you're jobs. starting to see, um, I think, Farmers are sending their um, youngsters who are wanting to get onto farm. They seem to be sending them for the training. But mm. I do wonder how many of them actually did the training themselves. And, of um, course, you know, we were saying how a third of all the accidents are older farmers. So that's really applicable, isn't it? It's always useful to learn and get tips on a, on a dangerous vehicle, isn't it? So it's not a particularly long course, I don't think. And I think wearing the helmet as well, I think so many people, they've, been on a quad bike for so many years they just don't even think to put the helmet on and, and obviously the the belt and braces the correct way to do it is to go on the atv course and we should all do that but you don't need to go on a course to put a helmet on you know it's it's so straightforward you do it to you know a kid riding a bike we put a helmet on and then we go and do 50 or 60 mile an hour down a road on an atv without a helmet on you know it, it's it's the easiest thing in the world to put on. Yeah, and a lot of it appears to be based on what the actual law is. And there are different laws, sadly, when you're at work than when you are on a road. But I'm here to talk about work. That's what HSC does. And most farmers are at work. A lot of the time they might be on a quad bike, even if they're going on the road for a portion of it. And the law at work is you, by risk assessment, the management regs, because that's just the way it is. It's not prescriptive nowadays. You have to do a risk assessment for your vehicle. You have to look at what the manufacturers say. And hardly any quad bikes don't show a helmet saying you must wear a helmet on there on the mudguard so by law you need to wear a helmet on a quad bike but you know do you need the law it's killing people you know the people that are turning these over which is the common thing that happens on a quad bike and it is going to happen and i think farmers know that is that they don't they're not able to recover from the accident they've had because they've then got a head injury as well and are possibly trapped underneath the bike so for the sake of 30 40 quid you know, the helmets have now been designed as well to take account of what farms have asked for about being able to hear where the cattle are, etc. You can choose which helmet you want and right the way through from a riding helmet through to a full motorbike helmet if you want. But there are specific design quad bike helmets there. You can choose something that could save your life and it doesn't cost you very much. That's really not complicated. You should be wearing a helmet. Um, you've got, you know, obviously the statistics, but how have they evolved over the years? What, on quad bikes? It just on in, in health and safety in general, farm health and safety in general, are you seeing a trend that, that uh, one part of the sector is getting worse and others are, are improving? I mean, certainly on the arable side, um, I remember when PPE was pretty much non-existent, uh, but that has come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, we're touching there on health issues, aren't we? And the statistics I give you are mainly based on fatals. HSE doesn't have very um, good reporting to us. Um, you know, our statistics are, based, are only as good as the information we can collect, which is basically under riddle reporting, and it's not good, particularly in this industry. So we tend to focus um, on the fatal and serious accidents and use them as a, as a guide, um, like an iceberg. You know, if you've got fatal accidents happening in these areas, you've got a huge iceberg underneath the people who've had, as you mentioned earlier, George, you know, serious accidents that have uh, given them life-changing um, outcomes. 
Um, if you're talking about um, pesticides and stuff, that's much more difficult. Health is really difficult to look at the statistics because there's so much of delay often. It's often not reported. Sometimes it's not linked to work. So yes, they, they probably have improved a bit. Um, we sadly haven't done enough on health recently. We are going to do a lot more on health um, in HSC as a whole and on all industries, and that might improve um, what information we have on it. Um, but what's not changing is the rate hasn't changed since the 80s, which is an awful long time of these serious and fatal accidents. And the type of things that are causing them, which I've said to you as cattle and vehicles, isn't changing either. We haven't mentioned work at height. That is quite a, a significant, that takes up most of the rest of them. No, that's not changed. And I think that comes back to the complacency that we're doing the same things in the same way and, and the outcome is the same if we don't do it right. So how many farmers actually go and do a proper risk assessment? I'm sure if you go and ask the farmer, they could probably blag in the head that had a risk assessment that they thought about it. But how many go and put real effort into writing down a risk assessment? Um, not many. Um, and I think that's quite a complex subject because what we don't want people to do is go and get someone else to do it for them. We want involvement in that risk assessment. And I'd actually rather that people had done it in their head and thought about the topic I'm talking to them about than get something that's on a shelf that means nothing to them. They're just ticking a box. So I think that's an important thing to make. And therefore, really, you need to prioritise um, what you, if you're going to write something down, prioritise to some of these topics we're talking about today because they're the ones that have a big impact. And things like overhead power lines where you're, there's information to impart to people or information you need to get, i.e. the location of them, the height of them, and then what you're going to do about your machines that might be near them, you know, perhaps sprayers with long booms, etc. So I'm not a great person to actually ask for written risk assessments, but I do expect people, because the law requires you, to have done a risk assessment and you should better talk through it in your head. It's up to you whether you're the type of person that would like to write that down. But whenever, whichever you're doing, prioritise it to the high risk. There's plenty of advice which we'll, we'll give in the links in the show notes later, um, which helps people look at where the key areas are that we're discussing today. Over the last few decades, other industries, you know, you touch on construction and, uh, and such like, they've improved, they've upped their game. Why do you think the farming sector has just failed to catch up or failed to improve, um, in, you know, up its game? It's an interesting thing that you mentioned construction sector. I mean, that was a challenge to industry and they set up major contractor groups and they did get a huge improvement. They've still got a lot to do. There is some similarity with agriculture because um, you move around, you're outside. There's a lot of similar things between agriculture and construction, but there's one big difference. It's your home. And I think that might be why we've got a challenge in agriculture, because people feel they're at home and forget they're at work. And uh, I think that's something that we need to, you know, all of us. And we all need to work together, the individual farmers, um, people like yourselves and other um, bodies that work in farm safety and HSE need to try and work out how we get the message across when somebody might be thinking, well, I'm at home here and maybe not listening. I think one significant difference as well is the, the way the business works as well. So we are, the farmer is a price taker and over the last, since, since the 80s, we've been seeing about statistics since the 80s, farm outputs have had to go up. You know, everything, everybody's having to do more and run harder to just to stand still, really. Whereas in the construction side, I think there's a, it's obviously bigger business and it's and it's easier to pass those extra costs down the down the tree. So, you know, house prices there'll be an element an element of there's more a red tape perhaps in the in the construction site you only have to try and get on a construction site to realize you need to have 
uh, do a course, you have to have a high-vis jacket on and hard hat and you've got to report to the foreman and there's a process to go through. All of the cost of that is passed on to the end consumer. So there, there is a an issue in farming. There's always an issue in farming with a lack of money. But I think what we all have to keep in mind is money. If you're dead or you lose a member of staff or something happens, no amount of money sorts that. Yes, accidents cost money. Um, you know, it's very difficult to even put a figure on it when you've lost the main owner, who's the person that runs the farm. Um, and some of these things we're talking about don't cost money, uh, mm-hmm. or, or a very, you know, very small amount. You know, putting the handbrake on doesn't cost money. That that's a system of work, isn't it? Thinking about how you're going to do something, stopping and thinking they don't cost money. Other things cost a bit of money, like a helmet on a farm, but you look at on a quad bike. But if you look after it, it's it's a tiny amount. PTO guards are a good example of that. They don't cost a huge amount of money that's a lot more to do with maintenance propping them and just checking them um but you know why should it be different on farms yes there is a money thing in any industry but a lot of what we're talking about is just unacceptable risk and yes i understand there aren't managers there's checking things but you should still be trained you know there isn't any grandfather rights really anymore there's very very few left and most people are, are way past that age you need to have training for your lift truck you need to have training for your quad bike and there's there is a problem with a thought that farming's different. They don't need it. No, they do need it. Um, you're more likely to have an accident if you don't have this. You clearly are breaking the law as well. If you've got employees, that's going to be a problem to you. That's all going to cost you money too. It's a huge investment in your staff to do these things. And most of them are not hugely expensive. There are grants around. Uh, I, I think machinery rings still assist with some of these things as well. So I don't think money is an excuse when you're talking about the level of risk we're talking about here. I think it's just um, what you said back at the beginning is stop and think. Hmm. And it's just making sure you take that time just to stop, think what you're doing. Just because you've been doing it for a long time doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. And it it, it could be life changing just taking that time to stop, think about what you're doing, why you're doing it and how could you make it safer. There's, there's certain jobs, you know, that the, when you're working with livestock, so if you're working with cows, that's... There's always a risk involved in that, and you can you can reduce the risk as far as possible, but there is always a chance of something happening. The one one that frustrates me, all farm deaths and farm accidents are hugely frustrating to hear about, and you know it's horrific. The falling through an old roof is something mm. that surely we can get to a point that we just stop doing that. You know the untrained farmer with no ppe at all should not be on a roof no yeah in most cases they shouldn't be on a roof um i also think again you know technology has improved there are systems out there if you if if for the planned infrequent jobs that you're doing sorry the unplanned ones uh, you know you you can use a, a man cage um but you you do on a, on your truck you do need to follow safe procedures to do that you know you need to safe vehicle in terms of it being thoroughly examined you need a safe driver that's trained you need things like tilt locks etc um once this gets more complicated and it's more of a planned thing you should be getting contractors in they, you shouldn't be up there at all um because with many of these things we're talking about the outcome particularly with falls is usually death i mean if you're high enough you rotate around and the first thing that hit the floor is your head and you're not going to get away with that and if you do get away with that you're probably going to have awful outcomes as well like a broken neck etc um, cattle are very big and heavy and unpredictable. The outcome there again is, is often not good if something goes wrong. And vehicles, similarly, if they're not propped properly, if you're doing maintenance on them or if they overturn, etc., you're not going to get a good outcome. 
So you can't avoid some of those, but work at height, you probably should avoid in most circumstances. There are a few things you could do. You don't want to be doing them off ladders. You need to be doing them in a safe way with safe access. And obviously there's asbestos, et cetera, in terms of fragile roofs. So you need to have um, both edge protection and crawling boards so you're not going to fall through. But if you're starting to think about this, this comes back to Tiffany's questions about risk assessment. You do need to stop and think. You probably do need to have a policy and a risk assessment on this. And at some point you ought to be thinking about, should I be doing it at all? Because if this goes wrong, it's going to have a bad outcome. I feel like there's a lot of things that can have a bad outcome um, when it comes to farms. Um, the more you talk, the worse it just sounds. And I think it's very hard hitting when you hear about all these things. We mentioned earlier about loan working. Is there things, because I know a lot of people are the only person on the farm now, like what sort of precautions can they take to make sure people say know where they are or what they're going out to do? What would you recommend there? Well, I think the first thing um, is to think about um, not loan working in certain situations, so like with cattle that we mentioned earlier. So that's the first thing you should be thinking about. Are there certain things I should not be loan working on? Obviously, that's not possible in everything in the farm. You are going to be working on your own. And there's, you know, from simple things to letting know somebody where you're going and when you're likely to be back through to nowadays, there are GPS based systems that you can use that um, detect when you're not moving anymore or if you haven't reported back in. In certain circumstances, I think particularly the things with quad bikes on, you know, hillland, they're, they're very relevant. They're heavily used in agriculture already in forestry. Um, and I think farmers should ought to think about using them because obviously because they're available now, they're quite cheap. And I'm not saying you need to use them for all circumstances, but there are some circumstances with higher risk. We've had a few quad bike accidents where people have been trapped underneath the quad bike overnight and then been found in the morning either dead or near death and, you know, may have been saved if people have been aware of where they were. So not only does this type of system notify people that you haven't come back, but it also says where you are, which is hugely useful in an environment where you have a large work area, don't you? So you know, from simple things to telling people to, to complex technology and also avoiding it in really high risk situations, that's how to deal with loan working. There's a, a thing about phones, isn't there? So phones in your pocket, often you hear about things that happen and the phone's in the house, hmm. you know, and for me, a lot of my work's beef focused and, you know, looking at beef systems and things. If we're going to go calving cows, handling cows, don't do it without your phone in your pocket. And also, if you've got a place so where you're putting calving gates or where your crush sits, make sure you've got phone reception. So if something happens, not not all accidents are, you know, head injury, sudden death jobs. If you've got your phone in your pocket and you can phone someone, you're in a far better position than if you're sitting without your phone or in somewhere that's the one dead spot in the farm. Yeah, I partially agree with you, Robert, but I also see phones a bit like PPE, that you don't want to over-rely on them. We all over-rely on them on absolutely everything in our life. And uh, there's just so many people that are just unable to use them when they've had that situation. I'd rather you thought about, um, should you be on your own in the first place? Because obviously somebody else who hasn't had something just happen to them is much more able to then ring 999 or get the help in any other way that you need it. So they are part of the system, but I think you need to be careful in, in how you're using them. They're, they're not going to they're only a, a sort of a, a sticking plaster thing that can help a little bit. They're not going to probably stop the accident happening either. We're really starting to hit the busy time now up certainly down the East Coast side with the grain harvest, potato harvest and such like. Um, a lot of action with tractors and such like. Um, 
what bear that in mind, what's your key advice to these producers at the moment? What should they be thinking about? Okay, so we're really talking about transport here, aren't we? We've got lots of vehicles yeah. moving around all over the place. Um, and uh, th that um, comes really to a safe farm, a safe driver and a safe vehicle, all of which are covered in our Work Right Agriculture campaign that was issued at a similar time, just slightly earlier this year um, than the statistics that we give out annually. Um, we're trying to give really simple messages. So your safe farm is having segregated routes, and that would include in fields. You need to have a th bit of a think about that. You know, you do have people coming in. You might have other activities going on around you. You need to have a think about, you know, not using certain gates if if that's a busy member of the public area or whatever else is, is, is at risk of people being around, signage, um, etc. cetera. Um, high vis at the bottom, but still very, very useful, you know, to make sure that you are then seen when you are coming in. Um, a safe driver is obviously the training we've talked about, safe system of work, so when you do stop your vehicle you use safe stop, um, uh, these sort of things, um, and then the vehicle itself needs to be safe, it needs to be maintained, its brakes need, particularly need to be looked at, that's just such a cause of like, many, many accidents, um, and mirrors so that you can see people coming, they need to be maintained and cleaned, it's such a simple thing, but you know, we, we don't take it as a no when we come onto a farm and the mirrors are missing because they've hit the shed door or they're completely covered in mud and you can't see anything because they save lives. You know, you've had so many accidents, um, particularly with these um, sort of crab steer, is it, telehandlers that mm. as you steer, they actually swing the body around and somebody's come to speak to you and you hadn't noticed they had because your mirrors are off and they've got crushed against the side of the pillar of the shed. That really shouldn't be happening. I mean, obviously, you could perhaps make signs to say don't come in or whatever, but they do come in. And if you've got these mirrors in place so you can see them, then it's less likely to happen. That's particularly relevant with um, telescopic handers where you've got the boom that can take away a lot of your view. Um, this is a very common sort of accident that we're investigating. There's also a kind of badge of honour this, this time of year and particularly in the contracting world is, you know, how, how many hours you've not been in your bed and you're working around the clock and, you know, tiredness kills it says it on the motorway every time you drive in a motorway yeah. it's just you know and arctic lorries or, or any hgvs now have a or have for many years have had a tackle so you can't go over time and then tractor wise we're in a in a privileged position where we're not that heavily regulated but when you hear what some people are doing perhaps perhaps we should be you know where possible go to bed get some sleep and tomorrow you go again and I appreciate we're fighting against weather fighting against all sorts of things but some of what you know y you can't replace good sleep with Red Bull <laughs> yes I, I mean I often will look out of my window and see the lights you know for the harvesting um, equipment etc going well after I've gone to bed and it's going to happen because you've got to do it within weather but perhaps while you're putting those long hours in you just take some breaks as part of it and you do do that I haven't mentioned the word dynamic risk assessment you have a think about how you're feeling um, relate that that is part of the risk assessment and people sort of get confused what risk assessments are they're just doing a sensible thing and if you know you're feeling tired you know you do need to take a break and you, you perhaps can continue um, you probably will have a bit of red bull or a coffee but you need to have that break and it gives you that chance to stop and think as well doesn't it so i think being realistic they're not going to actually stop the long hours but perhaps they can just take it a bit easy during those uh, slightly easier during those hours by having some breaks and thinking about what they're doing and not cut corners not rush, because rushing and trying to get the job done at, at, at the effect of anything else is a huge cause of accidents. That's not a good thing to do. And it ultimately hasn't saved you time, has it, if something terrible happens? 
So back at the beginning, you mentioned about fatalities with children and with the public. Where do they fit into this? Okay, so if we start off with members of the public, um, that's hugely to do with members of the public in um, fields with cattle, which is quite a difficult subject to deal with, particularly in Scotland with the right to roam. Um, so, you know, it, there are, there is no one way to, to tackle that, but it must be thought about. Um, and I think that needs more publication as well, because it needs to be thought about on both sides. I mean, the farmers need to make it clear if there's a risk in the field and try not to put that risk in the field where they know they've got um, public access. Um, so we're particularly talking about um, uh, mothers with young calves for the period where they're quite protective of them. That is a huge issue and is still causing the majority of those figures I mentioned earlier, which are quite high. Um, and that's simple things like, as I say, if you have got enough space not to put them in for that, that high risk period, um, through to um, not putting troughs near where a footpath might come in, ideally separating them by fencing, which is quite onerous job, but there's various ways you can do this. You have to consider all of them. Um, so that is a major problem with members of the public. Um, there are a few people, by the way, who are killed by trees as well. So if you're managing trees on your farm, please have a think about ones that are diseased or have been storm damaged, but that's a much smaller number. When we come to children, they get killed in various different ways. Uh, and that comes back to, to um, really vehicles um, because they're so small. They're very, very difficult to see. Um, I know the killing fields would show many different uh, ways that both younger children and sort of uh, school age children were killed um, and it really that's a lot to do with education both of the child um, and of the parents but also some systems in the farm and also a simple message is this is a workplace and they shouldn't be there um, I think one of the biggest causes of children's being around vehicles is um, at times of holiday when you know the carers are the workers as well but you wouldn't take your child into a factory if you're at work. You would simply have to, you wouldn't be allowed to, and you'd simply have to find some form of childcare or not be at work and take time off. We've all had to balance that in our lives. And the outcome on farms, as this thing back towards, I was saying earlier about, you know, being a home as well as a workplace, you've got to separate that when you've got children here. It is a workplace. It's really dangerous. And many children are killed on farms, often by being run over. Um, there may be a seat in the cab, they may seem safe when you're in there, but you have to get out and do things and you're not then in control of your children. And you'd never really foresee what would happen, but it does happen quite frequently and they shouldn't be in a workplace at all. Um, there is a small issue with some um, children working on farms. There are particular regulations which say you can't do that unless you're over 13, which in itself is still unusual um, because you wouldn't have 13 to 16 year olds working in factories mostly. So that that's a specific thing where risk assessment needs to come on the appropriateness of what they're doing. So very simple um, type of task that those that group of children should be doing. But the main thing is really vehicles and keeping um, children away from the from vehicles so they don't get run over by them, which is what's happening. Don't carry them in a bucket, etc. I don't know why I'm saying that, but that's what happens. That comes back to the complacency. They bounce out and they go under the wheels and it happens in a second. I have to mention it because it's happened more than once and it's just amazing to me that somebody would carry a child in a bucket. So be sensible with children. I, th I think it's fair to say that any farming fatality is, you know, it's, it's felt by uh, the farm community badly, but when there is little ones involved, that really, really does, you know, it has a, a knock-on effect, you know, right through that area. Um, it's really felt hard. It is. I mean, if I go, I, I've investigated many fatals. Um, 
I would say I, I'm, I'm not relevant really here, but you know, when you go and investigate a fatal, you can see the awful effect it has on such a wide range of people, Not obviously not just the person that's died. In fact, it doesn't affect them, they've gone. It's those left behind, isn't it? I'm very lucky that I went to investigate one reported child fatality and they actually survived, and I'm so glad because I was just petrified of going to do that. We don't want this happening. They shouldn't be there. They don't have, we have to control what they're doing. They're not taking the risk themselves, are they? They're not able to make a decision on it. They should not be in the workplace. And you have to be very clear about that when you're trying to deal with what you're going to do when you're caring for them. I feel like this is just a, a very hard hitting topic um, for children in particular, but even everything else we've spoken about today, it's it's very hard hitting when you stop and you think, and you then think back to, fatalities that you might have known about or accidents that could have come off an awful lot worse um, so thank you for joining us today Cathy I would say it's been a pleasure but it's just really got me thinking well thanks for having me I mean you can see there does need to be a change in attitude and culture and you know there has been um, particularly as people mentioned people being trained you know the younger generation etc and we would like to support them you know you need to have a think about, are you a risk taker? Stop and think. We are here to help if you're unclear about what you should be doing. There's loads of guidance that we're going to put some links in later. And we are approachable. I mean, I particularly am not an active inspector anymore. I'm in policy. I'm here for people to ask questions, and I'm very happy for people to come to us. I know the farm safety partnerships are doing a lot of work as well. Um, so if you're confused and you want some advice on something that is quite dangerous that we've talked about here, please come and ask. We've all got a part to play. We need to consider the impact on those left behind and we can do something about it. It, it would be good if we, we leave listeners with the, the three main things that, that it would be good for them to think about when they have a chance to think about safety. So based on what we've talked about here, I implore people to think about safe stop. You know, put your handbrake on, please. It can save lives. Um, wear your helmet, shut your door on your tractor, make sure the drawers are on, um, and wear your seatbelt when you've got a risk of overturning. And with cattle, you need to think about, is your handling system working? And do you have a policy about how to deal with things like um, difficult situations and loan working? If you do those three things, you're going to reduce the risk hugely on your farm based on the statistics we talk about and what I see when I go out and investigate things. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. Please consider taking some time to visit the HSE links in our show notes. Take some time to stop and think, assess the risks on your farm, and please stay safe.